there's people that, you know, do in total over a hundred K of, of gift card buying and reselling a month. And that's where you get into that territory and, and you're getting closer to being at risk of, of bank shutdowns. But I would say in general, educate yourself on the different rules and best practices for each issuer, for each bank, as well as spreading out the spend across different banks and different cards. So years ago when I would still go to, to Kroger and Harris Teeter and buy gift cards myself, I'd have seven cards with me and I just cycle through all of them. I do one purchase gift cards. Okay. The next one I'm using a different card and I run through seven and then repeat. I'm not just using one card and doing a bunch of transactions over and over on it again, that's thousand dollars each. Hey there points people. You just heard a clip from Taylor Thomas from QCGC. Taylor is a seasoned entrepreneur and expert in gift card reselling and credit card rewards. He has been reselling gift cards since 2019 and founded his company QCGC in 2020, where you can earn points for buying and selling gift cards. In this episode, Taylor and I discuss his journey into gift card reselling and how it has leveled up his points and miles game. We talk through when you may want to make it part of your plan to earn points and the risks involved and advice if you are interested in starting out. If you're thinking of getting into gift card reselling, this may be the perfect time for a new credit card. Consider the Chase Inc. Business Cash Card, which can get you 5x points when purchasing gift cards from office supply stores like Staples or Office Depot. Remember, if you decide to apply for the Chase Inc. Business Cash or any other card, never apply directly through Google. Always use a friend or creator's referral link. And if you're interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreeztravel.com cards. And if you're not sure what card is right for you, I offer free credit card consultations at geobreeztravel.com consultations. And we have links to the Chase Inc. Business Cash Card and the free consultation form for you in the show notes as well. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. Are you looking for an easy way to search for flights with points in real time? One of the fan favorite tools is the PointMe site, which makes it easy to search for available rewards flights across multiple airlines, often showing you award availability that you didn't know to look for in the first place. You'll be able to compare all of your flight options and maximize the value of your points, and you'll even be able to filter results based off the type of points that you already have. The search results are pulled in real time so you get the most accurate results possible for the best chances of snagging the award seats that you want. Check out PointMe by going to geobreezetravel.com slash pointme and get your first three searches free. Again, that's geobreezetravel.com slash pointme, P-O-I-N-T-M-E. Hey Taylor, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey Julia, appreciate you having me on. I'm so excited to have you here and to talk about gift card reselling, which is a popular way to earn a lot of points, but I don't think we've had an episode about this yet. Really excited to hear about your experiences and how you're making this easier for everybody else. But before we jump straight into gift card reselling and everything else, tell us a little bit about you and your background and how did you get into points and miles or gift card reselling? Which one came first? 
So points and miles definitely came first and ended up leading into gift card reselling. And it is a pretty interesting story for, for both of those things. As far as how I got into travel hacking, I've always liked to travel, even when I was a kid, when I traveled with, with family and, and stuff like that. But when I turned 18, my dad was like, hey, you should get a, a credit card so you can start building up your credit. And I wasn't even thinking about like earning points and all that stuff. He, he just told me to do that because it would be a good thing to do. So that's what I did. And the first card I got was the, it was a City AA Advantage Platinum Select card. I think it was like I had to spend $4,000 and I got, you know, 60,000 AA miles. So it wasn't that hard. At the time I was doing some like drop shipping stuff online. So I just put the expenses for the month for the inventory on that. Pretty easy. Got that. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then I heard about Chase had just come out with the Sapphire Reserve. Like it was brand new and they were doing this 100,000 point bonus for it. So then I did the same thing for that. So those were the first two cards I got. I don't remember the ones right after that, but those were the first two. And that was, yeah, like around eight years ago. And then from there, like I just, for the next few years after that, I would just get new cards every couple months to get the points. And anything I was doing in my business, I would be putting on that. So that's how I started going with points and miles. And then around 2017 was when I really started to travel myself just on my own internationally a lot. So the first trip I took solo was to Honduras. And then several months later, I went to Nicaragua and Guatemala. And I've traveled mainly to Latin America more than any other part of the world. It was those first two. Then I remember like the summer of 2018, I did a two and a half month trip to South America. So it was Argentina, Peru, and Ecuador, like all just back to back. And I've been learning Spanish for a few years before this. So at that point, that trip like basically got me over the hump of becoming like actually fluent in Spanish, which is really cool. I started traveling a lot. So I ended up having to get more points and more miles to continue to travel. And I remember like at the very end of 2018, I stumbled on some stuff on Facebook, like on some Facebook groups talking about manufactured spending. And that's the first time I heard about what that even was. Like I didn't know what it was before and I was reading all these acronyms I'd never heard of. So I'm like, what is a VGC and an MYS and a CSR and all this stuff, right? So slowly but surely I made my way into that. I started doing some Visa gift cards and money orders and things like that and some buying group activity as well. And then throughout like pretty much the entirety of 2019, I was reselling gift cards, right? So for anyone who's not already familiar with that, there would be you know, promotions on gift cards at different grocery stores or on different online retailers like PayPal, digital gifts, et cetera. I was in Charlotte, so we had Harris Teeter, which is owned by Kroger. Whenever there'd be discounts on gift cards at any of those places that I knew I could buy and resell to a, to a confirmed buyer or broker at a certain rate and get paid back and basically get reimbursed, I would do that and then I keep all my points. So I started doing that pretty, pretty regularly to earn more points so I could travel more. And then it's at a certain point around April of 2020, I decided to actually take that and then convert it into a business of my own versus me just doing it as a hobby, which I've been doing for a year and a half at that point. So I created my own initially with just a WhatsApp group and started adding people to it that I knew for them to sell me gift cards. And I started to also find my own like end buyers, my own customers to sell the cards to myself. So then for the rest of that year, for the rest of 2020, I was not only buying cards, buying gift cards with my own credit cards to earn points and reselling them, but also buying cards from other people and being able to resell them to a customer of mine 
for a slight profit and, and keeping that slight margin, but just doing a lot of volume to make it worth it. And then at a certain point, I just started to do that full time. So now I'm at this point, three and a half years into it. And this is my full-time thing now. There is a lot to unpack with <laughs> kind of that journey. If somebody is just getting started with like, oh, I don't know about gift card reselling. Like, how do you know somebody's going to buy the gift card? How do you not end up just mm -hmm. buying a whole bunch of gift cards and then they sit there and you never use them? What about if they expire? I'm sure yeah. that you faced all of these questions when you were first starting out and you get these questions all the time from people who are mm -hmm. looking to get started. How do you answer all of the FAQs about gift card reselling? There's definitely a lot of potential FAQs that are out there. The main thing is to sell gift cards to a company, website, group, whatever, that's reputable and that you know that there's a guaranteed sale there at a set price versus you buying them and listing them on like raise.com yourself to see you know, if they're going to sell or not, because basically you're just listing them on consignment on a website like that. And if you're just listing like a few gift cards and you're not doing massive volume, like you wouldn't get very good commission rates from them. But you want to make sure that you find a gift card buying group, essentially, they'll buy the cards from you at, at a set rate. And it gives you all the details you need to actually do that and, and succeed with it. Typically, because you mentioned if the gift cards expire, typically for the most part, like most third-party gift cards, at least the ways in which they're sourced with manufactured spending and buying them from some of these promotions, typically they don't expire. But again, if you have a confirmed buyer that you're going to sell them to, typically they won't take cards that expire anyway. So there, there are rare cases where there'll be promotions where it's like you buy a $50 Adidas card and you get a $15 extra card that expires in three months or something like that. But typically some of these groups won't even take those. But yeah, I would say... Yeah, find a reputable company to to sell to and to do business with. Ask other people about their experiences and opinions on not only just the whole concept of doing that, but also different companies you can do business with. How do people even start finding somebody who's willing to buy these gift cards? Like, why would somebody online be like, hey, sure. if you have a $100 gift card, like, I'll buy it mm -hmm. from you. Why don't they just go get their own gift cards? Typically on the back end, I mean, it's just, it's either ending up in the hands of, of consumers and maybe going through, there's some brokers that do like sell on raise themselves and they do a lot of volume and they're able to get really good rates on the commission or groups that have bulk end buyers who will buy the cards from them at a discount and who will use them to actually buy products that they're going to resell. That's typically, if you're talking about what's the end game and where, how they actually get used, that's typically what's going on. It's either going through a platform and ending up in the hands of consumers, or it's going to a bulk end buyer who's using them all to, to buy products to resell, either e-commerce within the States or sometimes exporting electronics out of the country, stuff like that. So there's the uh, end game where there are people who just buy discounted gift cards for holidays or something. If you're doing office gift parties where maybe you want to buy a $25 gift card for $20. So that could be one end use case where there are just regular people buying these. For the people who you mentioned are buying them in bulk to then use just for purchasing actual things at Best Buy or Dell or something, why don't they just use their credit cards and earn points that way? If they use their credit card, they're just going to be buying the items at face value or whatever the price is when they're on a promotion. They're going to get one to two percent cash back or whatever it is on their credit card but if they're using discounted gift cards that just allows them to get an even better margin because they're essentially getting an extra five plus percent off of the products that they're buying and but again what this comes back to like i mentioned the whole crowdsourcing aspect of it is 
when the promotions go on. I won't go too like too much in depth into that like right now, but typically there's those velocity limits on how much a single person could go in and buy at a time. You could just go in and buy a hundred thousand dollars of gift cards if they're on sale. So typically it's coming down to crowdsourcing. And if the limit is a thousand dollars per person at a time, maybe you have 20 people that do that and they each get 5k over multiple visits. And that helps you actually get the quantity that's necessary that some of these end buyers are looking for basically. Okay, so if I'm an end buyer and I want to buy a $1,000 TV from Best Buy, I could just buy $1,000 worth of gift cards from you for $900. So then as an end user, even if I'm not doing like all the buyer groups or everything, it's still like I got $100 off on that TV. That's another like end use case. That's correct. Yeah, as a consumer, you could do that also. Okay, so that's the end goal where somebody is eventually just buying these gift cards to actually use in store. How about the starting point where you're mentioning people can get these discounted gift cards and then sell it for a little margin, sell it for a little margin, sell it for a little margin, buy a thing from the store. How do you get a gift card that's so cheap it's worth reselling multiple times to get that end product? How does that work? Typically, the margins on this are pretty tight, you know, both really for everyone involved, for whoever's supplying it for whoever's being a broker and, and buying it to resell and whoever's actually buying it to, to use on products to resell. And a lot of times if it ends up being sold like through multiple people or multiple companies, you get to a point where, yeah, the discount isn't good enough for whoever the end user is and use it to purchase products to resell. So there's many times where there's not like several different sub levels of the supply chain. It's just, there's an individual buying cards from promotions, looking to earn points. Then there's the broker who's in the middle and then there's ultimately like they're selling directly to the person or the company that's going to use the cards to buy products to resell because otherwise, yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? They like whoever's using the cards on products has to get a good enough discount. The broker has to make money. And of course the supplier has to, the rate has to work for them to get their points and all that stuff. So if I'm somebody who wants to sell gift cards to a broker, and let's say you're out there saying, hey, if you have a $100 Kroger gift card, I'll buy it from you for $95. Where am I going to get a $100 Kroger gift card for less than $95 in order to recoup my cost? Sure. Yeah. So one of the important factors of, of all this is you have to, typically, you need to be buying cards when there's actually promotions going on. So you wouldn't just buy cards at face value to sell at less than face value, unless there's some crazy deal, unless you have, I don't know, unless you have a really good multiplier in your car, if you're able to get 5X somewhere and sell a car at higher than that. But typically you're waiting on promotions and a really good website to actually see all the gift card promotions that they just go on a day-to-day -day basis. Even if you wanted to buy some as a consumer to use on personal stuff, would be, it's called gcgalore.com. So it's basically stands for gift card galore. And they post deals every day. Any gift card deals that go on, pretty much they post them. They post an article for each one that gives you all the relevant info, you know, where you can buy it at, the different brands and denominations that are available. And also they typically have, you know, a paragraph or two about just explaining some of the details of how it works. Yeah, they're pretty popular around the holidays with these types of promotions. Like I know Cheesecake Factory has a lot where if you go into Cheesecake Factory and spend $100, you get a $20 gift card for your next Cheesecake Factory deal. So that's just like a free $20 that you get through Cheesecake Factory that you could sell to 
a broker like yourself, even if you're only paying $10 or $15 for a $20 Cheesecake Factory gift card, that didn't really cost me anything because if I was going to go to Cheesecake Factory anyway, that's just a free promotion. So that's another way that a lot of people can source these types of gift cards for reselling. Yeah. And another example is like I've seen PayPal digital goods will have Carter's $50 gift cards for 40 bucks or my gift cards plus will have Adidas $250 gift cards at 15% off. So those are really good, whether you're going to resell them and try to do some manufactured spending and, and generate more points and maybe a little bit of profit, or if you're just going to use it on personal use. But yeah, you're right. During the holidays, as we get you know closer to the end of the year and in these last two months, there are definitely a lot more promotions that go on and a lot more that even makes sense just for personal purchasing in addition to if you were trying to resell some of them. Do brokers like yourself just do one-off? Like if I happen to go to Cheesecake Factory once from that one example, and then I have a $20 gift card I'm not going to use, is it possible to just sell one-off gift cards? Or do you have to be doing a pretty good amount of volume for any of the gift card reselling to make any sense? That's something that varies between different brokers. I know for myself, typically we do, but it, it has to be like a brand that we're actually looking for and typically that we promote that we post a promotion for. So like we don't post all the promotions that come out because we might not have demand for all the brands that are, that are on sale from different places. And it depends on the rate. Like most of the promotions that, that, that happen, we don't post because the rates probably don't work for us. But yeah, if we, if it's something that we're posting about and we're like, there's something actively going on and we're taking the same gift card from a bunch of different people, members within the group. And typically we don't have like high minimums for how much the minimum amount that you could submit. Typically it's just whatever the denomination is that we're accepting. So if it's $50 cards for Cheesecake Factory or whatever brand it is, you could submit one of those and you'd be fine. There wouldn't be a minimum that's above that. What are the brands that are most in demand for brokers where you're like, give me all of the gift cards you can source from whatever store, what stores work best? So Apple currently for me is number one by far. I could take, I know I could take millions of dollars of Apple a month. The issue with Apple specifically on the supply side, there's just not enough supply to meet the demand. And there's also in certain cases, fraud with Apple cards or cards that are compromised when people are buying them in in physical retailers, mainly Target, but also some with Kroger. Then in addition to Apple, the next ones on the list would probably be Best Buy and Home Depot. I typically view those as the, as the big three, for, at least for me. But then there's also, you know, and the demand fluctuates between all of them, but there's also other ones that come up that will buy from Kroger on some of these promotions that allow people to do a lot of volume, such as Lululemon, Nike, Amazon, Neiman Marcus. Sephora, even recently we started buying QVC gift cards, which was new. So those are some examples of, of the really popular brands. A lot of those brands sound like ones where you can cash out cashback app types of credits for, like you mentioned, Sephora, Lululemon, Neiman Marcus. You can do that with the Seated app, the Swagbucks app, Flues, Fetch, a lot of the different cashback apps that we've talked about on the show. You can cash those credits out for gift mm -hmm. cards. So is that something where somebody can just cash out their cashback credits and then sell you those gift cards? You take those as well? Yeah, sure. It would Obviously, it would depend on if it makes sense for the person to do that. And there are times when there are promotions on those as well, where you can cash out your points or your rewards for 
a certain gift card brand and you get some kind of bonus on whatever it is that you're cashing out versus just cashing them out as money. So there's definitely yeah opportunities to do that. But again, it's something where it has to make sense for the person to do rather than just doing it just to do it and losing a little bit of that value versus they just cashed it out in the form of money. Yeah, like with Swagbucks, once a month, you can get a $25 gift card for, I think, like a 12% discount or something where it only costs you 2,200 points. So that could be a way to sell you guys a $25 gift card for a brand that you're looking for. If you're somebody who wants to do that play from just like a regular person side, how do you know what gift cards are in demand? Do you guys just have like a storefront board where instead of like, here's what's for sale, here's what we're buying, please source us these gift cards? Or before you go out and source these gift cards, how do you know that you actually have any hope of getting them resold to a broker? With us specifically, like I mentioned, we typically will only take cards from promotions that we're actually posting, but we are in the process of updating a lot of things with our setup and with our website and with the whole user experience. So we might at some point have something where it's just basically a list of all the different gift card brands that we could take and rates for all of them. Whereas so that even if there's not a promotion going on, you could sell us different brands at certain rates if you wanted to. But yeah, currently it's just whatever deals we post that we're actually actively looking for. That's what we'll take. But we have had people Sometimes they'll just send us a message and say, hey, I've got these gift cards. Can you take them? And if it's something that we're interested in, then we might. What kind of deals are you currently looking for right now? Like if somebody has $100 to a particular store, what's the buying rate that you would give somebody for a $100 gift card? That varies a lot, primarily by the brand itself. I know just to give you one example, and it's currently going on as well, there's an Amex offer for Walmart where you can spend a hundred dollars in Walmart and get 25% back. And we are buying Walmart hundred dollar gift cards from that offer at 91.5%. So that's basically 16.5% profit margin. If somebody wanted to do that now, Walmart sells everything and a lot of people shop there. So you could also just use it for yourself and you're basically getting that entire 25% back. But that is one example of a current ongoing deal. For that example, if, Somebody had a $100 Walmart gift card just sitting around. They could spend it at Walmart, get 25% back, or they could just sell you the $100 Walmart gift card for about $91.50. And if you're not going to spend the Walmart gift card anyway, that could be a way to just be like, I'll just take the $91.50. Or if you have a whole bunch of cash back in an app where you're like, I could just cash this out for $100 Walmart gift card. It's just cash back that's sitting in an app that I can't use as actual money. One way to liquidate that would be to cash it out as a Walmart gift card, sell it to you for $91.50, where if $91 in the bank is worth more to you than $100 at Walmart, that is another way that the economics of this could work as well. Yeah. And there's also other MX offers that are, like I said, Walmart sells everything and some of the people shop there, but there's other ones for Tory Burch, Lululemon. I just, I'm looking at a Lululemon MX offer right now where you spend $100 and you get $20 back. So you're getting 20% off. We're buying those at 88% of, of face value. So you're making 8% there. There's similar ones with Tory Burch that typically happen twice a year where you can make seven, you know, around 7%. It's just not traditionally very scalable. But those are stores where unlike Walmart, you know, you might not already be buying stuff regularly from Lululemon or, or Tory Burch. Now you might be, but uh, Walmart's typically easier to just do personal spend, but those are some other good examples of ways to take advantage of some of those deals and actually make 
a pretty good profit on them in addition to your points. Okay, so 20% back, let's say that you spend $100 at Tory Burch and then Amex is gonna credit back about $20 to mm -hmm. your statement. Can you just use your Amex Platinum to buy gift cards with that? Where you buy a $100 gift card at Tory Burch and then you get a $20 statement back? Or I hear Amex, yes. you can do that. I hear Amex gets mad when you do gift card nonsense like this. So there's some nuances with Amex, right? And you always have to be careful because they can always change what their attitude is to certain types of activity at any moment, right? It could be, okay, for now, like they're totally okay with you doing a certain activity and maybe they change that in the future. So far, like for the longest time, it's basically the rule of thumb has been don't buy gift cards on an Amex card that you're working on a signup bonus for. However, again, up to this point, it's been primarily after you've hit that signup bonus, they typically haven't cared a whole lot depending on how much volume you do, that's also going to affect how much they care. But with these Amex offers in particular, it's interesting because the offer itself will typically say that gift cards are excluded. And if you were to buy e-gift cards online, since through many websites that are processed through like Cashstar, they're processed through a different platform, it won't trigger the offer. But if you buy physical gift cards and get them shipped to your house, or you go into the store physically and buy the gift cards there, it will trigger the offer and people do this all the time. Yeah, I hear that going in so. store works a lot better because you just can't commit as much fraud in person. So a lot of the gift card tricks do tend to slide in person. So let's mm -hmm. say that there's a Tory Burch physical store near you where you say, hey, I'd like to use my Amex Platinum offer. I'm going to buy a $100 Tory Burch gift card. You're going to get $20 credited back to the statement. And then with that $100 gift card, you could sell it to you guys for, let's say, $90 for $100 gift cards. Technically, you only spent $80 because you spent $100, you got $20 rebated back through your statement credit, and then you sold it for $90 somewhere else. It's like profiting $10 there. That is a whole bunch of girl math that you have to do each time you do one of these gift card deals. But I kind of see how somebody can use those MX offers and then go in store get the rebate, sell it to you where it looks like you sold $100 for only $90, but there's the rebate math that kind of works into there as well. That math gets complicated really fast. How do people track this? You're right. It can get complicated pretty fast. I feel like to an extent, it's something that might just have to be a skill that, that each person has to develop and get really good with mentally working through all this math in their head. So like with, with the Tory Burch examples in particular, like I said, typically it's you spend $300 and you get 60 back. So it's still a 20% discount and you might sell it 87% of face value, but you end up making like $21. But I think it's just a skill that you have to develop. Now, in addition to that, we try to do the best job that we can when we actually post the deals to walk everybody through how all of it works and to give detailed and easy to understand explanations of, of how each of the deals operate. And then we also have a, a group chat in Telegram that just allows people to ask questions and talk amongst different members in the group. So a lot of times people, if there's anyone who doesn't understand how something in particular works, whether it's the math on a deal or how to submit gift cards or which, which is the best credit card to use on a certain deal, they'll ask in there. Neither myself or another one of our admins or a lot of times other members in the group will actually respond and help people understand how different things work. And I think 
one good tip might be if you're starting out, just buy the gift cards where there are deals. Don't speculatively go out and buy a whole bunch of gift cards and be like, I can liquidate these. I can find somebody to sell them to. Just buy the stuff that's in demand first. Get an understanding of how the mechanics work, how to submit your gift card information, and then scale up from there. I know a lot of people who every time they hear about a new trick, they're like, we're going to go from zero to 100. And then suddenly you've got many shoe boxes filled with many thousands of dollars of gift cards and a very angry player too that you're trying to explain this complicated math to. Don't be one of those people. Start small, understand the mechanics, and then scale up from there. I would say in general, even if you're even if you've been doing this, you probably shouldn't go and just buy a bunch of gift cards from a promotion without having a buyer lined up to sell to at an agreed upon rate already. But especially if you're brand new getting into this, I would also suggest starting out. So like picking one deal to do first, that's very simple. So probably not something that involves any kind of rebates like Kroger where you buy cards, but then you get fuel points and all this stuff, but something where there's just a straight discount on the gift card. So when I mentioned briefly earlier was the ones where PayPal digital gifts will have like $50 Carter's gift cards for $40. So you're buying it at 40 bucks. That's what you spent. You'll probably sell it at $40 or $41 potentially, and then you get paid back and that's it. So I would suggest finding a very simple deal. that's easy to understand as far as the math and the numbers that's low spend. You're not having to spend thousands of dollars, just a hundred dollars or maybe $50. Like do that, submit the card info, wait to get paid back and then find another one. Right. And then start to, to scale up gradually. And we actually have, in our new onboarding course that we launched recently that's pretty comprehensive, has a lot of details on a bunch of different things. There's actually one model, it's the seventh one that actually talks about how to do your first deal and just the mindset and the approach that you should have when you're working on that. Because there's a lot of people who get into this, they're super new, and a lot of times they spend a lot of time not doing anything because they are either nervous or don't understand exactly how all of it works and they're not really sure how to get started. I made that specifically to help people who are in that situation. That is fantastic that there is actually a course on this that people can take. Is it free or how much is it to take the course? It's just part of being in our group. It's not a, it's not a paid thing. It's just, you're, if you're in our group, then you have access to that. Is the group paid where you pay a membership or you guys are just making money off of the margin? So anybody who can sell gift cards to you and then wait to get paid, understand how the mechanics of it work from there. It's not yeah. like a paid membership or anything. Yeah, that's correct. It's just, we're making money on the actual resale of the gift cards. There's no like subscription fee or anything like that. That's yeah. awesome. What are some of the things that normally go wrong when people submit like customer service complaints or something, or somebody just messed up the deal. What are some really common things that especially beginners just mess up when it comes to gift card reselling? Sure. So as far as the most common things that happen, the first thing that comes to mind for me would be typos in the gift card code when people actually submit the gift cards. And also just to mention before I continue, we typically don't require anybody to ship physical gift cards to us. It's typically all done electronically. So they're just sending them through a spreadsheet and they're sending us the actual, the data for the gift card. So the gift card number itself and then the pin, is, you know, along with the brand and the denomination that it is. But yeah, when you go to a store and you buy the cards and then you go, you know, you go back home, you bought these cards. Now you're having to input them into a spreadsheet or some kind of database system or a portal 
to send to us or to some other group. If you're doing a lot of cards and you're like doing it pretty quickly and typing the numbers in, it's possible that you might put something in wrong. You might mistype one digit or something. And that definitely happens. Not super frequently, but it happens. And typically we ask people to balance check the gift cards before they actually submit them to us to make sure that there aren't any typos in there. Because basically there's a typo when we resell the cards, our customer is going to try to use it and it's going to tell them that it's invalid, that that gift card doesn't exist. Because in reality, in those situations, the number that we receive from that person is not a real gift card because the one digit's off, right? That's probably what happens most frequently. And But yeah, the, the main way to avoid that is just balance checking the gift card before you actually submit it. What happens if somebody thinks they bought a $100 gift card, but like we just see so much gift card tampering stories like you go to staples you're like oh i'm gonna buy a whole bunch of these 200 visa gift cards get 5x no fee on my chasing business cash and then suddenly you balance check it and there's some or all of the balance missing from that card what do you do so that's definitely something that happens as well in the case of not only visa gift cards but also third-party gift cards one thing i would suggest is first Firstly, before you actually buy the cards, checking the packaging to, to do the best job you can to make sure it hasn't been tampered with or compromised. Because sometimes you can tell, I won't go into all the details of all the different things to look for. And of course, sometimes that varies by the brand because all the packaging that can be different. But basically getting educated on what to look for. There's been threads in our group chat on Telegram where people have talked about this and in very in-depth and there's been a lot of helpful conversation on what to look for and how to prevent that stuff. But, you know, firstly, just looking for signs of tampering and not buying the card if it appears that it's been tampered with. But then if you actually run into that issue, some people have been able to get it resolved. Some people have not. There's been times where people have, will call whatever the issuing platform or, or bank for a Visa gift card and they've gotten the funds back. Same thing for third-party gift cards at times, and sometimes it's resolved quickly. Sometimes it takes several weeks or a couple months, and they eventually get the money back or get a replacement. But it's unfortunately not something that can be 100% prevented always. You just have to look for signs of tampering and try not to buy those cards. And then if it happens, do your best to get it resolved. And But I would advise anyone who ends up in that situation to definitely get feedback from other people in different groups who have potentially gone through the same thing and basically crowdsource different ideas and suggestions of how to get that resolved. Yeah, like with those Visa gift cards, if the little cardboard strip is ripped in any way, just don't buy that gift card because it's probably been tampered with in the store. What about credit card shutdowns? If somebody goes like too hard, too fast with buying a whole bunch of gift cards, especially like you mentioned, whether it's with an Amex sign-up bonus or just something else where somebody ends up looking sus because who really needs $4,000 worth of Lululemon in a month? Like, how do you navigate and how do you recommend other people navigate not looking like a crazy person to banks who are like, oh, fraud? Yeah, I mean, that definitely is a concern and people have run into that issue. There's people that, you know, do in total over 100K of, of gift card buying and reselling a month. And that's where you get into that territory and, and you're getting closer to being at risk of, of bank shutdowns. But I would say in general, educate yourself on the different rules and best practices for each issuer, for each bank, as well as spreading out the spend across different banks and different cards. So 
years ago when I would still go to, to Kroger and Harris Teeter and buy gift cards myself, I'd have seven cards with me and I just cycle through all of them. I do one purchase gift cards. Okay. The next one I'm using a different card and I run through seven and then repeat. I'm not just using one card and doing a bunch of transactions over and over on it again, that's thousand dollars each. So that's another way to, to mitigate some of that risk. Something that some people do when they're buying cards in store, like specifically at Kroger as well, is they will add on like random small items so that the transaction's not just a super even amount, right? So instead of it being a thousand dollars even, a lot of people will add on like a few bananas. So it'd be like thousand dollars and 57 cents. And then it looks a little bit less suspicious to the algorithm of, of the issuing bank of the card that you're using. So people will do that, or they'll just, if they're actually going to buy groceries at that store, they'll just buy one thing at a time of their, off of their grocery list that they need. Those are a few ways to mitigate some of that risk. There's definitely more that exist that you'd probably just have to talk to, to more people about. But like I said, in our group chat, there's, there are many different conversations about ways to mitigate risk in general. Yeah, I hear that if you hand over the banana first and have that be the first thing that shows up on your receipt, that tends to help a little bit more versus, oh, the first 10 things on your receipts are like each $100 gift card. That looks a little bit sus. But if you actually do your grocery shopping and then tack on your gift cards at the end, it looks a lot less suspicious. For the people who are doing high volume, or you mentioned like 100000 a month or something like that, does this count as income? Are you going to get taxed on this? Or the margin so is so small that it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's always a tricky subject. And, so, and people sometimes, I feel like, try to avoid talking about it. They don't want to give like official tax advice. And obviously I'm not a CPA or anything like that. But at the very least, what I've been told is that what you should do is at the very least report your, your expenses on the gift cards themselves and the money that you get paid back as sales and cost of goods sold. And my personal opinion is that you should, so you don't have all this money that's flowing around that you're not reporting to the IRS. Typically what people will debate on is whether you should actually report the points and cash back that you're getting as profit or not, because they'll say, oh, that's a rebate. We don't have to report that. And I think that's something that each person needs to decide for themselves. However, if you're doing a lot of volume and you want to avoid issues with the IRS being like, Hey, there's all these credit card transactions, all this money coming into your bank from this company. Like what's going on? If you didn't report it, it probably would be smart to, re to report all that. And then you can decide yeah, if you want to actually report those points and cash back as, as, as profit or not. And I know there's even a debate between if it's cash back versus points versus miles with an airline, <laughs> different ways of viewing that. Those are my initial thoughts on it. And I would think that if you are reporting it as like high income, but also high cost of goods sold, the margin on this is going to be so small anyway. Like you mentioned, it's not going to be that much taxable income. It's going to be a lot of paperwork. It's going to be a lot of headache if you're doing that much volume. But if you do want to stay legit, you could just be like, hey, IRS, we have high cash flows and low profit. And they're like, oh, yeah, that happens to a lot of businesses that we see all the time. You could at least report that if you are doing pretty high volume anyway. And then that at least is like one less thing you have to worry about where you're like, it's not drug smuggling. I promise. See, we just, we buy and resell gift cards. It's a legitimate thing. Yeah. And honestly, at the end of the day, there's typically not a whole lot of like front end profit. Most of the profit comes from the points themselves. 
So you're probably going to be around break even anyway. And again, like I mentioned, on some deals, there might be even a slight loss on the front end that you're making up and you're surpassing with your credit card rewards. But you might be selling it like 1% below cost, but you're getting 4X on your points on your card or whatever it is. So you might even have at the end of the year a slight loss on all that volume if you're not including the points and rewards that you're getting. But yeah, like I said, it's probably going to be probably going to average out around break even most of the time. So you wouldn't really have to worry about there being a lot of taxable profit aside from the rewards that you get on your cards. For people who are contemplating taking a deal where there is a little bit of a loss, where it literally is just, hey, here's a $100 gift card. There's no offer. We need you to buy it at $100. We will give you $95 for it. Do you recommend that people take those deals? Is it worth worth the points and how much you're going to get out of the points? Or is it just easier math to be like, take deals where you know you're going to get at least break even, possibly a profit. Don't worry about anything where there's a loss because then it complicates math more. Or how do you think about that? When I talk about doing deals at a loss, I'm still referring to deals where there's actually a promotion going on and where the loss is very marginal, right? So I'm not necessarily referring to something where you're losing like 5%. It'd be something where you're probably losing like maybe 1% or 0.5%, something like that. But you're still getting, you know, like I mentioned, three percent four percent on your credit card and so that's you know more than surpassing what that slight loss is but if it's something where you'd be taking a five percent loss or even more like it's probably something i wouldn't recommend because even if you're doing a sign-up bonus because there's just you know cheaper ways to actually meet bonuses you know i'm talking about situations where it's typically more it's similar to what people will do when they'll buy like a visa gift card and maybe convert that into a, a money order or do something where they're taking like a 1% loss or slightly higher, but their points are actually making up for it. So I would still suggest always doing a deal where there's actually a promotion going on, but then analyzing the numbers and the math for yourself to decide if it actually makes sense for you, because each person has a different threshold of what makes sense and what's worth their time and, and what's not. For beginners, I would say if you're looking for a rule of thumb of like, I hate doing math. What do I do? I would say just don't take deals where there's like any part of a loss where you're like, oh, like I can justify it with my credit card points. If you're just starting out, don't deal with all of the complicated math. Just be like, hey, it's a $100 gift card. I'm getting a $20 rebate. They're buying it back for $90. I earned some points. The points are just gravy. Make the math work out without the points and then just consider the points gravy. And then you are good to go if you are at least breaking even there. Yeah, that definitely would be a good suggestion to get started. And I think as you gain more experience and get more accustomed to doing the deals and also as it gets easier for you to work through all the math in your head of how all the different deals work, then that's where you can take on deals that are a little bit more complex with the math. Are there ever any horror stories where people thought they had the math handled and they just, they didn't, or there were a whole bunch of promotions for a particular gift card or anything. And then like somehow like the buyer you thought you had lined up falls through. Does that happen? And if so, what do you do? So that definitely has happened in general with myself specifically. And with my group, I mean, we were committing to buy the cards from people whenever we post a deal. So even if we had you know, a customer back out from a deal with us on the back end, we're still committing to buy it from whoever's, whoever already reserved capacity to sell the gift cards to us. But in general, those things do happen. And there probably are times where people are so excited to get started where they do a deal. They don't really run through 
all the math and they end up taking a loss. But I think even though it's better if you can avoid doing that, sometimes it's just a trial and error thing. But that's why both you and I are suggesting for new people to start out slow and do deals that are very simple, that they're making money on and that are low spend requirements so that even if they do mess something up, it's not blown out of proportion. It's not done on a big scale. That's something that I genuinely would recommend people to do and to stick to. And also just if losing a thousand dollars is going to be the difference between you making your rent payment this month and not making your rent payment this month, don't do $1,000 shenanigans. I want to say that's common sense and common advice, but it's really not. You and I have both seen people in the points game where they're again, floating hundreds of thousands of dollars every month. And I'm like, what happens if one month, like somebody is slow to pay you back? Like not even if a deal falls through, but just like payment processing is slow. If that's going to completely turn your life upside down, lower your risk tolerance, put real money before fake money, all of the usual advice, because I feel like people always get excited where they're like, this is the thing. This is the thing where I can just like buy and resell gift cards. And then we can get like hundreds of thousands of points each month if I'm just like floating my entire house every single month. Don't lose your house to gift card reselling. Like I alluded to before, there are people that do a lot of volume every month, but they've typically scaled up very gradually, gotten a handle on things, and they've also gotten comfortable dealing with whichever companies they're dealing with that they're actually selling the gift cards to, and they maybe even met them in person, whatever, but they've typically been doing business, you know, with those companies for a couple of years already, and they feel comfortable doing a lot of volume. So it's all, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It would be wise for everybody to, to actually stick to that and not to, you know, get in over their head with any of this stuff. Good advice. And speaking of good advice, can you give a shout out to somebody else on the internet who you would recommend listeners follow for even more points and miles tips? That's a good question. First person that comes to mind would be Brandon Neth, probably. You can find him on Facebook at FBZ Elite. They do a lot of like how real estate people can earn a lot of points because there's many points to be earned in that space. And where can people find you on the internet and get started with gift card reselling if this sounds like something that they want to do to earn more points? Yeah, so for anyone who's interested, our website is qcgc.io. So you can go on our website and then the homepage has just some additional info about how all this stuff works. And then if you decide you're interested and you want to sign up, there is a button on the menu called apply to join. You can click on that, fill out that very brief form, and then typically takes maybe typically within a day you're added into the group. So that would be an easy way to get started. And after you do that, you have access to the entire onboarding course. So you can easily go in there, spend as much time as you need to reviewing, get in the group chat, ask people questions before you actually start, but that would be, that's the best place to start. Are there ever people who submit an application who do not get approved and what kinds of things would get somebody not approved into the group? Currently not really. It's just to go ahead and have people's information, their email addresses when they sign up, because previously we just had the telegram invite links just all over the internet. People could just apply without having to be approved or anything. So I just decided I wanted more control over all that, but it's very brief. It's just like first name, last name, email address, how you heard about us, and I think what city you live in, but it's very brief and there shouldn't be any reason why anyone gets denied. 
Well, thank you, Taylor, so much for coming onto the show, talking all about the economics of gift card reselling. I know that it's a, a topic that gets a lot of interest in the points and miles world, especially for people who might not want to start their own actual business, but have low credit card spend. And they're like, okay, how can I possibly earn more points? This is one of those ways that you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels.